Live Creative Now, episode 139. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work, because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, passion pluralite artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist, as a creative of any kind, or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life, and it's how you change the world, because that is how it works. Change your life, and the world changes. It is a conversation episode today, an interview episode, and today's guest is Lisa Cummings. Lisa Cummings is a Gallup Strengths coach who has delivered training and speaking events to over 11,000 participants in 14 countries. That's pretty impressive. You can see her featured in places like Harvard Business Publishing, Training Magazine, and Forbes. That's also pretty impressive. She is the CEO of a company called Lead Through Strengths. And she also has a podcast of her own, also called Lead Through Strengths, which you should check out. It's really excellent. And I have been a guest on that podcast When Lisa is not out spotting strengths with teams, you will find her rescuing stray dogs or playing drums. And she talks about how she brings drums into her work with teams. So listen for that. Without any further ado, here is my conversation with Lisa Cummings. Well, Lisa, I know you a little bit. I know a little bit about what you do, but my audience doesn't. So why don't we start with you sharing what it is that you do and how you got into what you do? Oh, sure. So, hey, everyone, I'm Lisa Cummings coming to you from Austin, Texas, and My business is called Lead Through Strengths, and I work with corporate teams to help them find their natural talents. Essentially, we get together as a team, help them figure out what their natural patterns of how they think and feel and behave are so they can use those as easy buttons in their day-to-day work. And we just have a great time with training. This is both in-person and virtual training that I deliver I'm sure we'll get into this, Melissa, but I also do some really fun spins on this strengths-focused leadership and this strengths-focused team kind of work. One of them includes doing a really creative offsite for teams where they do this these drumming exercises together because I'm a drummer and I brought that creative element into the training workshops. And it's been a really fun angle to help them discover their strengths in a really unexpected way. I love it. Definitely want to put a pin in that. That, no surprise here, totally gets my toes tingling. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm really curious about is how you got into this, this whole strengths and this working with teams with strengths. How did you get into that? Oh, yeah. I forgot that part of your question already. So (laughs) (laughs) the it, it. feels very natural now. Looking back on it, it all makes complete sense. I've spent about 20 years in the corporate space, and much of that time was spent on learning and development 
teams. And so whether the training was delivered to leaders, it was usually around some soft skills area. So it was kind of in that space, thinking about things like emotional intelligence and leadership and sales training and communication skills. So those were things early in my background. I did some performance consulting. I, I did some leadership in HR. And then I spent a little bit of my career in sales and marketing. And so I ended up coming full circle when, all right, StrengthsFinder, 12 years ago, I think it was, maybe it was more like 15. I was managing my first team and I was just reading a bunch of books, devouring stuff, trying to not be a crappy manager. <laughs> and I found StrengthsFinder and just used it as a manager, not as a trainer or not as, um, you know, a practitioner in any way. And it was extremely life-changing for me, for my relationships with my team, for the team members' relationships with each other. It was just transformational. So I became a huge fan when I discovered it there and had been on and off using it with teams throughout time. And then it was a few years ago when I was launching Lead Through Strengths that I thought, what could I do that just feels totally like me that will get me excited and bring me energy every day at work and I won't get sick of it because I changed my mind so much and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I felt like, like my husband almost laughed out loud at me when I said I was looking for a business I could start that I would be interested in over the long haul, like a decade of time. He just thought that was so laughable that I could be interested <laughs> in anything that long. <laughs> I am, I am laughing from recognition. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But the thing is, is amazing. I actually think it's going to happen because here it is a few years later, I only get more and more excited about this stuff. There were moments when I thought, could I really spend a career on helping people find their strengths at work? I mean, it's kind of, it kind of seems like an obvious concept, doesn't it? When I hear myself repeating aloud things that sound like, hey, if you use your strengths at work, it will strengthen your performance at work. And that sounds like such a simple concept. And it is, but it's not easy to execute. And it's not something that people focus on. They're usually obsessed about their weaknesses. And so the more and more I get out in the field, it just builds the excitement in me over time because I see, oh my gosh, people are burnt out. They're broken down. They are so like burnt to a crisp, soul sucked from their jobs because they've been trying to fix all of these things that are broken about them for however many years or decades. And I see their faces and I see the look when they go, oh, I could have a totally different philosophy on my career. This is an alternate universe to live in, this idea of focusing on what I do best and amplifying that. So instead of finding that, oh, yeah, this is, you know, easy peasy, it's not really something I could base a career on, I get more and more excited day by day because I see how many people need this and love the concept. It really just has not occurred to them to to build their career brands this way. So I'm more and more excited. I think I'm on track to fall in love with something for many decades to come. Wow. You know, it's so interesting. There's a couple things in there that resonate so much with me. The first is it, it takes me back to 2010 when I started my blog. And I, I actually started another blog before I started my blog, Living a Creative Life. <laughs> At the time, I was single and I was looking, I was on the quest to find my life partner. And I started a blog called The Dating Queen. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and I was writing all these articles on so many things that because I had been dating like a full time job. And I it was it was like this huge self growth thing, all this dating, and I'd been forced to really learn how to set limits which is something that I'd never really learned how to do in my life. And, and I was really kind of passionate about sharing all this stuff that I'd learned. And I realized pretty quickly that I was not going to want to write about dating when I was 85. Mm. <laughs> oh my I, gosh. Well, I had no idea this thing about you, this dating queen thing. That's so totally fascinating. Yes. But yeah, I guess once you do find that person, then with the notion of dating, become boring because, well, gosh, yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't need to do all this stuff anymore. I dated and I actually found my soulmate and now I'm not interested anymore. 
Exactly. And so I thought to myself, I'm not going to be interested in writing about dating when I'm 85, even if I'm still, you know, single. So what am I going to be interested in writing about when I'm 85? And I thought, well, I'm always going to want to write about creativity. And that's what led to me getting the domain name Living a Creative Life and starting to write and process about that. And I was just processing, processing, processing. I was trying to find the life that I really wanted. And that's, you know, the rest is history. That's how I ended up doing what I'm doing now. Um, oh, so that's, cool. Yeah. And that, so that's the first thing. And then, oh, and then of course now I've completely forgotten <laughs> what the other thing was that you said that, that resonated so much. Oh, oh yeah. When you were talking about strengths and the idea that's so new for so many people to focus on and build on your natural strengths rather than trying to work on your weaknesses. And because I also discovered StrengthsFinder, I think I discovered maybe back in, I don't know, 2013 or 14 or something. So it's been a few years now. That concept is not brand new to me anymore. But I just I was just having a conversation about this just today, like an hour before I was meeting with a potential business partner, just an hour before our conversation right now. And we were having this exact conversation about how liberating that idea is. And I'm working with a strength strategy coach right now. And she talks about this concept of when you are doing the thing that is, you know, when you're when you're working in alignment with your strengths, it's it's not a heavy lift anymore. And it feels mm-hmm. so it's like you're in flow. And it's totally like doesn't like who wouldn't want to be in flow every day instead of walking around in, you know, heavy lifting all the time. Yeah. I mean, and when you say it, it just sounds so obvious. <laughs> and when I say it in a training, it's so obvious to people. And there are a few who really hang on to the weakness thing and say, you know, no, these are liabilities and they must be shored up. And there are there are a few people who will still hang on to that. And I do think you have to address weaknesses, but don't obsess over them. Because boy, if you spend a heavy dose of your mental energy amplifying the stuff that is naturally great about you, heck yeah, what you're talking about, it feels good. It's fun. You're light. You're the best version of you. You know, if you, I think any listener, and you can do this, Melissa, too, if you think about yourself and think, how am I perceived by others? What energy do I bring to the room? And how do I feel when I'm at my very best day? Mm. And then contrast that with you. Now imagine you when you're at your grumpiest, you're most tired, you're stressed out, your patience is at its end. Now, how do you come off to people? Oh, yeah. And that is the mode that people are in when all they're trying to do is fix what's broken about them. It's wearing them out because it's draining to work in your weakness zone. It does suck the life out of you. Even if like I've had situations now I look back and it's really clear where I was working with an amazing team and I thought I had it all on paper. I did, you know, I had the great title and I had a great job and I love my teammates and it all sounded like it should be great. But I just... It was wrong. Something was wrong with me. And I would think that what is wrong with me? I have it all and I don't want to get out of bed. And I am having heart palpitations on Sunday nights because I'm so burned out and drained and it doesn't make any sense. But today, you know, I look back and I go, oh, it makes total sense because I was using I was in my weakness zone all day long. It was sucking every ounce of my energy out to be at my best. Whereas today, like being at my best is a good time. It's fun. I get more energy from it instead of getting less. It's a totally different world. Can't believe it exists. Oh, man. And that's how we all ideally should be. Totally. God. And I also think it's an easier, it's an easier thing to find. You know, what, as you were describing going from the dating queen to thinking about creativity, it is a burden to ask yourself, gosh, what am I going to be interested in when I'm 85? Because that really, as soon as you said it, it sparked me to think of this heaviness that people tell me about when they're trying to find their passion. Mm. 
And they're like, I don't know that one thing. I don't know that one special thing. I've been searching my whole life. And they really get down on themselves because they can't find that one thing. And, you know, I think there, for many people, there isn't one thing to go find. And instead, if you look at something like your your natural talent, it's really cool because it's more like how you get things done, no matter what it is that you're choosing to do. It's kind mm. of like there, this guy, Mike Rowe, that did that show Dirty Jobs, he, he phrased it really beautifully. He said, don't search for your passion. Take your passion with you no matter what you're doing. And that's kind of how I see the, your natural talents and your strengths applying. You can bring them along to any skill. You can bring them along to any job and bring the energy with you. And then it doesn't feel like this elusive search. It feels like, oh, I just need to filter my day through these things and I can make everything better. Oh, I love that. That is a great perspective. Because I was I was just thinking like, what what do you do if you've got a team of people, but you know, maybe they're in jobs that are not, you know, necessarily ideal for them or something. But that way of looking at it makes so much sense to me. Can you can you describe some examples of filtering using that strengths filter with, you know, like anonymizing people? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, oh, I mean, so many come to mind, everything from answering your question with things like um, one is really simple. It's a mental game, but it's just reframing things by using your talents. So I work with a woman who was a builder. And so her job is really project management, building homes. And she was really kind of down on her job. She's been working long hours. It's rough. The labor market's tough. You know, things are getting her down. And she's like, man, my my whole career, I'm just a glorified scheduler. Whereas after talking about strengths and really tapping into her belief talent, which is more values-based and it really gets her thinking about the inspirational stuff. She's like, no, I, if I filter it through that, my role is about helping families live their, the life of their dreams because they're building this, you know, new house in this new neighborhood. And so if she's filtering her day-to-day actions through this lens of I'm helping this family live out their dream together, it's very different from, oh my God, I'm a glorified scheduler and I can't get these cats herded. And so that mental reframe was enough for her to, to just change her outlook. And I've done this. This is an airport game I'm playing with myself right now. And this is just taking it down to the real practical, tactical stuff, not her inspirational job. But if I give a practical one for me. Part of being a speaker and a trainer involves being in airports a lot. And I have, for my whole life that I've been traveling like this, I hate the airport. I just (laughs) loathe this experience. And I spin myself up in it and I get in this mode where you start seeing what you're looking for, of course. And so I think about how many people don't cover their mouths and how they're (laughs) spewing their germs. Like I'll start to to one person will sneeze and not cover his mouth. And then the rest of the airport experience, I'm like, oh, all these people are <laughs> coughing and sneezing. And all I see are germ spores flying through the air. And I get really freaked out. And I just want to go live in a cave and cover my mouth with my shirt as I'm walking. And if I if I stop myself, a friend of, um, I think you know Ron Tight. Yes. Uh, he gave me this idea. And then I've taken it and run with it. It's kind of like a scavenger hunt when you're at the airport. And so one of my talent themes is a strengths finder talent themes is positivity. And it's this fun, loving kind of looking at this optimistic view of the world. So I think, well, gosh, I'm not living out my talent when I'm obsessing about the viruses spewing through the air. So how could I reframe this with positivity? And so I go on this scavenger hunt now. Every time I walk in the airport, I have to find one person who's laughing out loud, one person who has like crazy eyes and you think, oh, if anything goes wrong right now, they're about to be set off. Uh, One person who's doing something silly, like skipping, an adult who's doing something out of the ordinary like that, that is just a moment of fun. And now I'm looking for that. And guess what I find at the airport now? I find that instead of finding the germs. And so a really big one, there are many, many techniques beyond reframing. I mean, even down to people on teams swapping out tasks with each other because one person's trash is another person's treasure. But right there from the builder woman and me in the airport, those are two moments on the job 
that are totally changed just with a mental reframe by thinking, how could I honor my talents and live out my talents right now instead of the opposite? Oh my God, I love that so much. And I also have positivity in my top five. (laughs) So I'm so using that. (laughs) It is so much fun. And then once I started looking for these, I get these other ideas. So after I find those three, I noticed, gosh, now I'm looking around in a different way. And I'm actually seeing people and being seen in a more human way than normally I would walk through the airport and my rushed all of a sudden the fact that I love people is lost on me and I've forgotten that people are still humans when they're in the airport and I'm not looking up and I'm not making eye contact and I'm not not smiling at anyone and I've lost my personality somehow and now in just doing this scavenger hunt game a new one that I've been adding to the list lately is someone who you know you just had a millisecond deep connection with where you actually really saw each other and really had a moment, even though it was like a one little millisecond, but it happens. And I never had those at the airport before, but just an acknowledging of humanity moment. And now those happen every time by accident, just because I'm in the scavenger hunt mode and I probably am coming off to the world in a totally different way from when I'm there being grumpy because of the viruses being (laughs) spread. That is so great. I love it. Thank you for sharing those examples. They're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, one of the things that I love about what you do, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show is that I know you bring one of your personal creative passions with you into the work that you do. You're a drummer, a musician, and you bring your drumming into your work. Can you talk about that and how you got started with that? Yeah. You know, it came to me, well, I get these ideas. One, my brain's just always a cacophony of things melding together. So one, that just, ideas like this pop in my head. So that's one way it started as I just kept thinking, oh, this would be fun. I wonder if I could incorporate this into my life. Or I would have a moment where I think this is something really cool for like people like you who are doing businesses that have a really strong creative element. If you're going to take them into corporate, into the corporate space, they have to have a, a really practical application. So people need examples and they need, um, they need the tie back to, you know, how does this relate to work? So I would have these moments while I was drumming. I was, for example, I was with the band and we're playing Proud Mary. And at the end of the song, it just says rolling, rolling on a river, rolling on a river. It says it four times through. So we're going through the song and I do it three times and I do this. It's a very clear ending. And when you're a drummer and you mess up, it's very loud and everybody just follows you because you're the loud instrument <laughs> driving the bus. And so I do this intro or this um, repeat of rolling, rolling, rolling on a river. I do it three times and then end instead of four times and end. And one of the guys says, um, was, do we do that four times? And I'm like, yep. And then <laughs> because I thought I did it four times and no idea. And um, so he kept asking questions indirectly and I kept going, yep, yep, you totally, yep, you're, you got it. And I'm just kind of <laughs> affirming him like he was just confirming. Yep. And then finally he's like, oh, you, do you know you did it three times and not four? And I, I said, no, I have no idea. <laughs> and I had a moment while that was happening where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly like work. And this is exactly like leadership because you're so caught up in your own world and all the things going on in your head. Sometimes you do things you don't even notice. And then people on the team around you take really significant meaning from it. They act from what you're doing. Like I drove the whole team down the wrong path. They (laughs) followed where I went. I had no idea that I did it. They assumed I did it on purpose. There were all of these assumptions that, so I'm in that moment like, oh my gosh, I need to get out Evernote in the middle of a jam session because I have all these corporate lessons that could come from this. So things like that kept happening. And it led me to say, I can incorporate a bunch of these musical lessons into an event. So that was part A, the major part of what led me to it. And then part B is that, you know, when you're early in your business, people are always asking you, oh, and what's what's unique about what you do? And tell me more about you. And it's kind of like any business. There are probably going to be, I'll say competitors, in quote, where there are 
hundreds or thousands of people who do something similar to what you do and you need a differentiator. And I kept thinking, what is the thing that I might be the only person in the world who approaches it like this? And I was just baffling myself. I had no idea. And then one moment that, you know, I was having a proud Mary moment doing one of those kind of things. And I went, oh my gosh, that's it. If I could incorporate drums and or music into the concept of something like StrengthsFinder training and create a really unique team experience and help people see how their talents show up at work in an environment that is nothing like work, it will actually make it easier for them to spot their talents because at work, they don't even know they're using them. They can't even see them. They're just so innate to them. They're right in front of their nose and they can't even tell that they're using them. So doing an activity like this is amazing because it gets them so far out of their comfort zone that their natural patterns come out and they can process them and see them more easily. So I started coming up with activities like this. Like I, I have one where I hand out djembes and other hand drums and I call them percussive doodads, the rest of the stuff <laughs> so that it's not intimidating to them. And then everybody has a shaker or a maraca or something. And then they go off, they split off into teams and they create one measure of music together. That's it. Literally one measure, but they can loop it. And the interesting debriefs that come out of it are so amazing because you hear when you ask them, okay, what's the first thing you thought of when I gave you this challenge? You know, because just the idea of you're going to make a measure of music and you're going to perform it in front of your peers in about 10 minutes. They're like, oh my God. <laughs> so, um, People who have the woo talent or the positivity talent are like, oh, boy, that sounds like fun. People with the intellection talent are going, oh, my God, this sounds like my worst nightmare. And being able to process this stuff and talk it out loud and say, OK, and then when you were making the decision on the team about what beats to use and who would play which instruments and whether you would do it all in unison or break it up. And how did you go about these decisions? And then they start talking and someone's like, oh, right. I see my includer was getting insulted during the exercise because I wanted to hear out all six people's idea for this measure of music and what it would be like. But we didn't have time for that. And it was killing me. And so you get the idea, but you can do these really deep debriefs about how they see their talents in action. And that allows them kind of the gateway bridge to be able to see how they act in real life. And so that's how I came up with it. And I just started experimenting. I would just bring a little box full of shakers along to a regular event and I wouldn't advertise it as a drum event. I would just add a fun activity that was five minutes long and I start experimenting and Pretty soon I had a four hour session that was really all based around rocking your talents. And so it kind of happened over time. And in your words, I sandboxed it and I let <laughs> myself play with it. And it has been a really cool way to make a metaphor for what we do at work. And then what a great side effect, because now I have a differentiator that is, as far as I know, I'm the only person in the world who does strengths finder drumming events. That is so awesome. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And then you you also do some really creative things in your virtual trainings. Can you share some of the things that you do with with the virtual trainings? <laughs> yeah. And this is one where I think this will be a a continual lifelong sandbox where I'm just playing with things to try to make it interesting, but I have taken to a specialty, really, in virtual training, really over in-person training and in-person speeches because I have very large corporate clients and they come to me and say, all right, we have a team and we are spread remotely and we have no travel budget. We're in 13 countries and there are 200 of us and I don't want people to get ignored in their professional development. So what is even possible? So that's what prompted it all is me thinking, all right, these team members want to get to know each other. They want to understand how to honor the best in each other, but they there's no way they're going to be able to do it in a room. So I just started experimenting with virtual and this isn't as overt as drumming, but I have really mastered little craft moments. I feel like <laughs> I just call them craft moments because I just keep I just keep tweaking to try to work on the craft and figure out, well, what resonates with people and what gets them excited and what makes them participate. And so I'll find things like 
I'll be a little, I'll allow myself to live more into my positivity talent, for example, and be a little sillier and bring more humanity into the video because there's something about video when people are on camera delivering, all of a sudden you just imagine this person who's delivering a training in their dark basement and they're super <laughs> boring and they talk like Ben Stein, not, but except without excitement in their monotone. <laughs> voice. It's just terrible experience for people. So I allow me to be the amped up version of me. I'm not faking anything. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to get in me when I'm at my most playful because they react to it in such a big way. I'm obviously going to come across as professional and I know my content so I can add in some of the silliness and humanity and it's cool for them. So that has really helped. I do props. I'll bring in physical props and I'll show them on camera. So I've even worked on the craft of things like if I'm going to demonstrate something with a prop, how is that going to look if I'm trying to play with a um, holding a funnel or holding a jack in the box and making a corporate team point about it? How's that going to look? Because you have the frame in the camera, you know, is really funny. And so you're talking with your hands, but your hands are up above your shoulder and there's a whole different thing to get used to so that you can still feel like you and not feel awkward and still come across really naturally. So I practice things like that. What are these physical props so that they can see something interesting and you can tell a story in a different way? We do things like I have one where I'm making a point about wrong-handed moments and strong-handed moments representing strengths and weaknesses or weaknesses and strengths, if I said that backwards. And I have people throw a ball with me. So I I back up in the frame of the camera and I throw an invisible ball to them. And I ask them to throw the invisible ball back to me during this process and this conversation. They switch hands and they do the other one. And, and I am saying things like this where I'm like, all right, I know if you're in a cube environment and no one can see you, you're going to, you'll probably participate, but I'll ask him in the chat. Okay. Who's in an open office environment? If you stand up right now, everybody's going to be staring at you in the office. And <laughs> there are, you know, there are always 10 or 15 people and then they're goading each other on in the chat, like do it anyway. Do it. <laughs> and so it makes it, you know, it's fun. You have a little moment together and then you throw and then you ask them how it felt because part of the point is how awkward it feels when you're in your wrong handed moments. And so if you're going to become competent with this wrong hand, it takes a lot more energy and effort to be able to become competent in your weakness area. And so I'll make a joke about how, you know, they have to stick their tongue out while they were thinking and making their thinking face so that they could pull that off. And so there are things like that. Those are moments of play that are interjected inside of content delivery that I don't do in person because they wouldn't translate the same way, but trying to make that a native virtual experience for them that isn't retrofitting an in-person class, but is also honoring like, how can we play given that they're seeing me on camera, I'm not seeing them. And all we have for communication is the chat box with each other. They can hear my audio, but I can't hear theirs. And most of the time, so because it's usually too much of a tech uh, delay of time to get that all set up if I'm only going to meet with them one, on a one time 90 minute call. So it's pretty fun. And it's just bringing a lightheartedness and an energy and a different element thinking, what can I do with this room? And then I'll brainstorm with friends too. Like I have a friend, I showed him the wrong handed, strong handed thing. And I like to make this joke. He watched one of my virtual replays. And when people are throwing the ball back to me, I'll duck. And so I'm like, I leave the frame of the camera because I'm ducking because in the wrong hand, they, they would throw so bad that they're going to hit me. <laughs> so I duck. And he's like, oh, it would be so great if you had a basket of wiffle balls over your head and you could release it and they all fall on your head during a training session. <laughs> I thought that would be fun. So things like that. I'm just open to what can I do to make this a, a memorable experience that helps them learn something and makes a point so that they don't feel like, oh, this is going to be a virtual training. And for me, that is code for great. I'm going to let that run in the background while I catch up on my email. They feel like they can't stop because they don't know what they're going to see next. Yeah. And so they, they stay in. And so that's an element where it's a playfulness and it's a creativity. Uh, it's a creative element compared with most delivery, but it's not like creative in I'm, you know, I'm Picasso and I have my, my easel out while I'm delivering. So I love that because it is an example of creativity that I think is accessible to normal people.
Oh, that is so cool. It makes me think of just just yesterday, I was hosting a rally call for my Creative Sandbox community. And I was nobody there had a particular issue or question on their minds. Every often this happens where people just show up and they just want to be a fly on the wall. So when that happens, I just talk about whatever's up for me. And so I was sharing something and um, I can't remember the specific thing that I was talking about. But but it was like, I was, it was something about like hanging on by my fingernails or something. And I, because when you're, when you're on a, you know, a video, a webcam, you're being framed, right? By the, what people are seeing is you are being framed by the, you know, what the, what the camera is showing. And so that allows you to play. And so I was able to just like show myself like drowning, you know, by just um, going down in the frame until my head was yes. was going lower and lower and lower, and 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 I could show my fingers just like like grabbing on, like I'm just grabbing on by my fingernails, and I'm going drowning, going below the so my head was going below the edge of the frame, and there's things that like that wouldn't I wouldn't be able to carry that off in the same way in a live setting. So that just being on the webcam enabled me to do certain things that I couldn't do live. I could do lots of other things live. <laughs> you, uh-huh. you know, you can't do things, obviously, in a in a webcam situation, in a virtual situation that you can live, but there are other things that you can do. So how can you work with what you've got to create an engaging, fun situation for the people who are participating. And I love how you figured things out to make it work so that people are engaged and they're not look- using it as, oh, you know, this thing running in the background so that I can catch up on email. <laughs> yeah. I love your example, too, because playing with the frame of the camera, that's such a cool one where if you have listeners who are who are thinking, you know, I'm kind of the, I'm trying to get unstuck person and I'm I'm a normal person who goes to work and I don't think of myself as a creative those are the kind of things like you, anybody could disappear out of the frame you could I've done one I think it's it was really making me think of what you did we were simpatico in this way there's a line in a song by Jewel that says she was something about being underwater and um Basically, she's underwater and breathing through a straw. And I just thought that was such a good metaphor. I'm totally botching her lyrics right now. But <laughs> it was it was kind of like you can imagine being underwater and trying to gasp your breath in only through a straw. You just can't pull it in. And so I went out of the frame and I had a straw sticking up. And I went, <laughs> but I was zoomed in enough that you could really see the straw. And like that kind of example, you could take your finger, you could go out of the frame and just put your fingers in and do a, like the thing that you do when you're playing shadow puppet in the shadows, but it would only be the only thing in the frame. There are a million things and those all sound, you know, just like a total goof. But if they can make a hard hitting business point, everyone will remember you made that hard hitting business point about innovation or project management or whatever the topic is by scrunching your fingers up in the screen because it just gives them a moment that makes them stop for a second and remember it. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Exactly. My husband is really big on this kind of thing. Like if we're doing a FaceTime call or something, he'll go completely out of the frame. And then he'll tilt his head and stick it in sideways. So it so it looks like he's floating in. <laughs> or he'll somehow figure out how to make it. So it looks like he's coming in floating in from the ceiling or something like that. And things, yeah, things that are completely unexpected. Those kinds of things are great for, you know, like a virtual training session, where people see you popping into the frame in a completely unexpected way. And it, you know, just keeps them engaged. So I, I love how you're using the technology and interesting ways like that. Yeah. And on the physical props, like one anybody could use if it's relevant, especially for those, maybe you have somebody who just works on a remote team, but they have team meetings where they're all on their Skype for business or something together and they're, and they actually see each other's face. Like I've been out of frame before and I started a session with a cohort and I knew that one of the people on the in the group and there were like 60 of us and we were in a year long program. And so I got to know people that I was facilitating 
two pretty well. So I knew a birthday was coming up. So I started out a frame and I wore one of those party hats that kids, you know, you have for kids, just a little pointy yeah. party hat and came in and did a happy birthday moment. And it took 10 seconds, but it was really fun. And people are giving all the LOLs and the chat box and happy birthdays. And we do short code. I do a thing where I high five the camera a lot, which is easy yeah. for, you know, you because well, I'm a big high fiver in general, but so that fits my personality, but also I can see the camera. I don't have to try to aim it or anything. Cause I just, if I put my hand up to the camera, I'm high fiving. So then I give them a short code back. If you want to high five, somebody else for a comment that they made, then instead of having to type so much because they hold back if they have to type too long, then they just write a five, a number five, and that's their version of a high five back. And I keep, um, I keep some John Lennon glasses that are colored pink because people, sometimes I'll have skeptics about the strengths movement, talk about seeing through rose-colored glasses. So I am literally waiting for the one out of a hundred moment for someone to mention rose-colored glasses. <laughs> and I have glasses <laughs> sitting right there I can put on. <laughs> and so I can give a serious answer, but also really make that person go like, oh my gosh, she's really answering my question all in. And those are just the little things where I think about what would an objection be or what is a topic that comes up all the time and how could I do something playful with that? So it's totally unexpected to them, but I've actually pre-planned it because I've heard that question before. Oh, that's so brilliant. I love it. And so creative, creative and fun and super smart. I love it. <laughs> So Lisa, at the end of my podcast episodes, I have a little thingy called something cool. And that is just literally what it's called something cool. So it can be anything it can be sometimes it's like I've shared apps or a movie or a book or a recipe or it can be anything that you think is really neat, interesting, cool that you would tell a friend about. Ooh, so okay. yeah. So do you have something that that you want to share? Yeah. Oh, totally. great. So I have this, I know I use this app that I've never heard anyone else use. And it is so amazing. So I think this app is called Our Groceries O-U-R, O-U-R, like yours and mine together, our groceries, as in our family's grocery list. And what is amazing about this, see, I don't go to the grocery store and I also like to put anything I can, I want to get it out of my head instantly. You know, if I want to buy something, I just go to Amazon and get it out so it doesn't take up any room in my head because I want room for creativity in there. And so same thing with groceries. I don't want to have to go write it down somewhere. I don't want to have to remember this thing. And so Our Groceries is an app for your phone that you can keep a grocery list, but you can also keep all sorts of lists. So um, anything that you might need to get, it doesn't have to be groceries. You can have many of these. And then the beauty of it is that it syncs across the family. And so, for example, if my husband is going to the grocery store, he's carrying around this app and using the list that I've been populating for the last six days and it doesn't have to say a word to me, never has to say, I'm going to the grocery store now. Do you have anything for the list? We don't even have to communicate because we <laughs> keep this thing synced up all the time. And it has been so amazing, both for freeing the mind for the creative work you want to do because it's just something you don't have to hold on to. And then second, because you're just synced up all the time, perfectly, so practical. And so, um, yeah, it's a simple one, but I say life changer right there, that app. Wow, that sounds amazing. I am going to have to check that out for sure. <laughs> Our groceries. It sounds awesome. And my something cool this week is impact self defense. This is I can't believe I haven't shared this one before, because this is something that has been so life changing for me. I took classes from Impact way back in 1997, 98. Yeah, around then. So like, dark ages now. Um, mm -hmm. Back in the Bay Area, it used to be called Bay Area Model Mugging, BAM. And now it's called, <laughs> yeah, BAM. Now it's called Impact. And it's nationwide. Um, I don't think they have one in Texas, but they do have 
a chapter in Santa Fe, New Mexico, that may be the closest one to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have them in Northern and Southern California and New York and Ohio, Illinois, Colorado. They're kind of all over the country and they may, they may be international. I'm not sure. But let me click over to the website. Yes, they are international. They're in the United Kingdom and Israel. And they're Washington, D.C., Washington and Oregon, Columbus, Ohio, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut, um, Illinois, Denver. Yes. Okay. So IMPACT is a personal safety, assertiveness, and self-defense training program. And what is different about IMPACT is that the male instructors wear padded armor. So you get to use full force fighting techniques, and they train through realistic scenarios of physical and non-physical boundary violations committed by strangers and people that you know. And students are coached by one instructor, while another instructor who wears the padded armor portrays the role of the aggressor or the assailant. And they teach verbal verbal skills and the use of voice, and they teach full force physical techniques. And it is in the most supportive environment you can imagine. And there is... an amazing sensitivity to trauma when I've, I've taken at the time they, they offered four different classes. They offered a basics class, which is self-defense techniques against a single unarmed assailant. And then there was a, I can't remember what the next class was, but it was both um, skills against a, an armed assailant and um, weapons. And then also against multiple assailants. And then there was a five day class against weapons and a five-day class against multiple assailants. And I took all of the classes. And I got to tell you, it took me a long time to sign up for one of these classes because signing up for a class like this, you have to face your fears. Hmm. You you you, You have to face a lot of fears to take a class like this, but they don't just throw you on a mat and start assaulting you, (laughs) you know, like mock assaulting you. They take it super, super slow. And ironically, the the environment of impact self-defense classes is one of the most supportive, safe environments I have ever been in in my entire life. So I cannot recommend it more highly. And um Lest you fear like my my mother did, that taking one of these classes would, I don't know, I think she thought that it would make me like decide I was going to go to a biker bar in a bikini with, with, oh with like $100 bills sticking out of it or something like that. <laughs> it made me so much safer because my only tool at the time before I took, impact, you know, impact self-defense classes, my only tool was denial and avoidance. And because of that, I, I got myself into a lot of dangerous situations because I was my only tool was denial in my toolbox. And now I am so much more cautious, because I'm so much more like it stripped all the denial away. (laughs) Wow. And I have I and I have real skills in my toolbox. Cannot recommend these classes more highly. Go take an impact self defense class. They also have sister programs for children, specifically for children that are amazing. Check them out, impact.org. I will um, include a link in the show notes as well. So that is this week's something cool. This um, impact classes are one of the most transformative things I've ever done for myself. And that was back in the 90s. So it's been a really long time. And I still consider it one of the most transformative, empowering, life-changing things I've ever done. So that they is... They've got to hear this. They're going to say, oh my gosh, this is the best testimonial. We didn't even have to pay <laughs> Melissa for a sponsorship. She is just making the amazingness of our program come out to light. Oh, I love this organization so much. I volunteered for them for a while. Yeah, they're amazing. So... That's this week something cool. And Lisa, before we wrap it up, how can people find you? 
Oh, sure. Thanks. So leadthroughstrengths.com is the website. And I'm also on Twitter. If you are a Twitterer at Lisa Cummings and um, also open to connect on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn slash, I think, what do they do? LinkedIn.com slash in slash Lisa Cummings. I think we'll get you to me. So I'd love to hear what you're doing. If you're doing anything creative with virtual training or team conversations when you're working with people from afar. That would be really fun. Awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. It has been great to connect with you again. And yeah, thank you. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. And it always is getting in the sandbox with you. (laughs) Thanks a lot. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lisa Cummings. Let me know if you resonated. You can leave a comment over in the show notes over at livecreativenow.com slash 139. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And I would be super appreciative if you would take a moment and hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review over on iTunes or in the Apple podcast app. If you don't know how to leave a review, I have step-by-step instructions over at livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. That's livecreativenow.com slash iTunes hyphen review. And if you email me to let me know you left a review and let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your own life, that's how you can apply to be considered for the listener spotlight. If I pick you, we will have a really fun, relaxed conversation, and you'll get to be featured on the podcast. How cool is that? Here is what Joel88 wrote. Joel88 wrote, Food for the creative soul or non-creative, dot, dot, dot. But aren't we all? Five stars. I'm loving this podcast. I admit I am a podcast junkie and I only have so much time to listen, but I've been binging Live Creative Now for about a month. As a diversified artist, I've found kindred spirits in Melissa and her guests, and I'm drinking in all the positive inspiration, wisdom, and information to help me on my creative journey. I am very grateful that Melissa is making this podcast happen. Thank you, Melissa. You're welcome, Joel88. And thank you for taking the time to leave that review. I really, really appreciate it. And not only do I appreciate it, but you know, the reason why reviews are important, it's not to make me feel good, although it does. But really, the real reason is that leaving the the more reviews the podcast gets, the more it will help other people to find the show. So when you leave a review, it helps the re- helps the show pop up higher in search results when other people are searching for a new podcast to listen to. And it might just change somebody's life if they stumble upon the show and, you know, they're looking for a podcast to help them get back in touch with their creativity. So that's why I'm asking you to leave a review. It's not to make me feel better. Although, yeah, hey, it does. But anyway, thank you so much, Joel88. I really appreciate it. So that is it for this week. Until next time, thanks again for joining me. And as always, go get creating. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.